Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. (laughs) All right, so we are kicking off a brand new series uh, tonight. And I'm excited about this series because I I believe the series is going to do a couple of things. It's going to challenge you for sure. We're talking about two things that you typically don't talk about in church, right? We're talking about, actually, one thing. We're talking about politics. I was going to say religion and politics, but typically you talk about religion and church, right? right? So we're going to be talking about politics today, but we're going to be keeping our eyes fixed and focused on Jesus Christ. We're beginning a brand new series tonight called Jesus Over Politics, and let me just set you up on the front end what this message series is not going to be. This message series is not going to be a series that tells you who to vote for. Are you glad about that? Say amen. It's not a series about telling you about who to vote for. It's not going to be a series on whose political views are more virtuous or more moral, right? It's not going to be a series that proves that the other political parties uh, aren't Christians. How many of you know that's, that's pretty regular right now? You ever talk to somebody and go, I can't see how so-and-so even votes for people like that. I can't see how somebody would vote for somebody like that. How can they be a Christian? You ever, said, you ever heard somebody say, how can you be a Christian and still do that, right? I don't understand. Well, if you don't understand, then you got something to learn, don't you? I don't understand how they can do this and believe that, right? So the series is not going to be about those. What this series is going to do, though, is this series may do a couple of other things, okay? This series, number one, may offend you. Come on. Right? It may offend you. But here's what I've learned over the last 20 years of being in ministry. I've learned this, that typically, most often, the truth that has the most potential to set you free is also the same truth that has the most potential to offend you. Come on. Isn't it? Right? So it may offend you. Another thing that it may do is it may cause you to reevaluate your political views altogether. That's not a bad thing, right? Another thing that it may cause you to do, and this is the one that I'm hoping we walk away with. I'm hoping that we walk away recognizing this, that this series has caused us to love deeper than we ever have before. To love deeper than we, we ever have before we are three weeks away from our country's presidential election and you don't have to look very far to see how deeply divided our country is have you seen that anybody been on social media lately anybody get a little anxious being on social media lately anybody find yourself trying to put it down only to pick it back up and figure out what else they said right like it's just too much i gotta put it down i can't deal with this right now right Our country is incredibly divided. And I'll tell you this, um, it's not shocking to me, listen, it's not shocking to me that that the world is divided. It's not shocking to me when I say the world, I mean people who, who have not professed yet to follow Jesus. It's not shocking to me that those who don't follow Jesus are divided. What is shocking to me is how deeply divided the church is. Y'all know the church is divided over some politics right now. Right. I mean, so I, we have a video I, I want you to watch real quick. This video I saw earlier this week. Just watch this video real quick. And we'll, we'll there's nothing wrong with taking a stand on something that, that you see as valuable, something that, that that's a, a value connected to your heart. But there's there's always two ways to say I love you. How many of you know that? 
Right? If you've been married for any length of time and period, you know there's always two ways to say something. There's always two ways to say I love you. You can say I love you and it's received well, or you can turn your nose up at your spouse and turn around and say I love you, right? And that's not received. It's the same word, it's just done differently, right? So we can, he says, he said, he said empathy second, proving your point first. Well, let me just tell you the first point of this, this message is I want you to just understand this, that we can disagree politically, but love unconditionally. We can disagree politically and love, but love unconditionally. My disagreement with you is not my rejection of you. Now, for some, it might be. But we got to stop looking at everybody having a different opinion than us and looking at that as rejection. They're rejecting me. They're devaluing me. James says this in, in the book of James in chapter 1, verse 19. He says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to what church to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. And in verse 20, it says human anger does not produce the righteous, uh, the righteousness God desires. Now, let me just be real quick and take a little side journey real quick. This is not saying that a human cannot be angry, but, uh, but a better translation would be unrighteous anger. Jesus cleansed the temple. Do you all remember that? When he went into the temple and he cleansed the temple, he flipped over some tables. He made a whip and he drove the animals out with a whip. I've heard some really bad teaching saying Jesus made a whip and he went into the temple and he whipped the Pharisees. Let me tell you that that's not how God works. He flipped tables. He used a whip to crack uh, uh, the whip and drive the animals out of the temple. And why did he do this? Because the poor were being extorted. He had a, a righteous anger that was motivated by love, right? And this is what James is highlighting. He's highlighting, he's highlighting love in action. What does love look like when it's in action? Love is slow to get, uh, slow to speak, right? Or slow, sorry. Yeah, yeah, slow to speak. Quick, uh, slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak. There it is, something like that, right? <laughs> but that's what love is in action. That's love in action. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I, I want to I camp on this. This is going to be a, a, a portion of Scripture that we'll use during this uh, entire series. But I want you to see this. It says this about love. It says, love is what, church? Patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice. Hear it but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses. Faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And the back half of verse 8 says, but love will last forever. Or another translation says, love never what? Fails. Love never fails. I, I want you to see this, that what is happening in our country right now has been happening for a very, very long time. That, that, that what's taking place right now in 2020 is not something new. It's not like politics was developed in 2020, right? It's not like mudslinging was developed in 2020. It's been going on for a very long time. Pitting one political party against the other, demonizing one people group over the other, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon, and it's not to say that that's right. But what's concerning is, is that it's become so prevalent in the church. We have a hard time as the church separating our political views from our faith in Jesus Christ. We've married the two together. We've made our politics our religion. We've made it an idol 
in which we worship. And here's the thing. We, we, we do live in an incredible country. We are citizens of an incredible country where we have the right to operate and, 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 and operate in our civic duty to vote for the person that we see uh, best fits our values. But let me tell you, before any of us are citizens of the great country that we live in, we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. Church, you hear me? Before we are citizens of this blessed country that we live in, we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. In the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse 20. It says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are, uh, we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. In John chapter 17, verse 16, this is what it says. It says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Hear that. Jesus praying for his disciples, and we're going to come back to John 17 in just a few moments. Jesus praying for his disciples, not only the disciples that lived right there and walked with him on, that, and on earth at that moment, but we'll find out the disciples he prayed for that would believe us right now in 2020. He's praying for us too. He says, he says, Father, they are no more of this world than I am. That our citizenship belongs to God in heaven. For the follower of Jesus Christ, we are to view the world through a different filter. We are. We are to view the world that we live in through a different filter. And that filter is Christ. Never, hear me, never, ever, never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever. That's a lot of double negatives in there. Never, ever should our politics shape our faith. Hear me. Never, ever should our politics shape our faith, but it should be the other way around. It should be that our faith shapes our, our politics. For someone who follows Jesus Christ, we can choose not to agree on a lot of things. We have the right to that. We can agree, we can, we can agree to disagree. How many of you know that? There are some people who believe Chinese food is not good food. You're wrong. <laughs> but we can agree to disagree, right? I love Chinese food. I can't, listen, I, I, I don't eat it very often now because I, I do a ketogenic diet, but when I do, I smash some Chinese food, y'all. I grew up as a kid who had to have all my food separated on my plate. It was a big running joke. Like, none of my food could touch. Anybody else like that? Anybody else's food can't touch? Yeah, it's okay. But when it comes to Chinese food, the, it's like the more you mix together, the better it tastes. You ever notice that? Like, the more you mix together, the better. It's like a party in your mouth, somebody. And there are some people who do not believe that Chinese food is good food. And again, they're wrong. We can agree to disagree, but that shouldn't stop me from loving you unconditionally. Right? Come on. It should not stop me. Some of y'all, listen, some of y'all in here like some, some vegetables like Brussels sprouts. Y'all like Brussels sprouts. And listen, I hated Brussels sprouts. My wife tried me. She said, we're going to be healthy one time years ago. She's like, we're going to do Brussels sprouts. And she's like, I got these Brussels sprouts from the store. And she put the steamer bag in the microwave and steamed some Brussels sprouts. You ever smelt what Brussels smells? Brussels sprouts smelt like? It's a tongue twister. You ever smelt what Brussels sprouts smell like when they come out of a steamer bag? It smells like stuff you can't say in church. Yes, but you mix it. You said it, not me. But you mix it. 
But you mix those Brussels sprouts. Listen, you mix those Brussels sprouts and some bacon fat and some bacon. Dear, and butter. Dear Jesus. We can, we can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree. But we should never allow what we choose to not agree upon stop us from loving someone unconditionally. We can disagree politically, but love unconditionally. We can't. But the question is, is do we want to? Do we want to? Are we willing to? That's the question. As someone who follows Christ, that should be a question that comes with a simple answer. The answer is, yes, I do. I want to love. See, our country has been blessed, right? It's a country that has prospered tremendously. But it is also a country with some horrible stains in it. And I'm not throwing our country under the bus. I love the country. Y'all have heard me say it 15 times already. I love the country I live in. I'm not throwing it. I'm not throwing shade its way. But I'm telling you, our country has stains and embarrassing moments in the past. Like every single person who's sitting in this room right now. We have some embarrassing moments. We just rather not, rather not let everybody know about. It carries a progressive testimony just like us. And what I mean by progressive, I mean evolving. That your testimony and God's faithfulness in your life is showing up more and more every, every day. It should, right? And I believe the same thing is true even within our country. I believe that there's a progressive testimony that's coming forward. I believe God is doing an incredible thing in our country. He's highlighting things that need to be changed. And that's good. That's good. But let me just make this very clear tonight, real quick. And this is very important, and I'll tell you why. When I came up, when I, 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 didn't, I wasn't raised in church, right? I wasn't raised in church at all. But when I did start going to church, I went to a very fundamentalist, hyper-conservative Pentecostal church. That's where I went. And because I had no, because I had no understanding about God, because I was not raised in church, what they taught me about Jesus and the blend of politics, it, it, it merged together. And I was convinced that all Christians are Republicans, that all Christians are Republicans, that all Christians are, are pro-life, that all Christians are X, Y, and Z, and that it's impossible for anybody to be a Christian and not vote R in the voting box. That's, how, that's, the, that's the type of environment that I came up in. And so imagine my shock when I met somebody who loved Jesus. I felt like more than I did, and they didn't vote like me. Man. And, and you know what I begin to realize at this moment of deconstructing my faith? I, I begin to realize, y'all. some of y'all probably already knew this, but it took me a little while to get this. This is quite a few years ago. But listen, I learned this, that number one, listen, Jesus, hear me. Hear me. Jesus is not a Republican. I know. Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is not a Libertarian. He's not part of the Green Party. Jesus is not a Socialist. He's not a Communist. He's not a Capitalist. And last but not least, Jesus is not American. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm being serious. I, hopefully we can all laugh about this a little bit, but if we would just start peeling back some layers of the things that we believe about God, we'll begin to realize, wait a minute, where is that found? 
in Scripture. Where is that found with Jesus? Now, I'm not saying you can't be a Republican or a Democrat or, or a Libertarian or a Green Party if you want to be a communist or a socialist or a capitalist. Whatever. I'm not. T- but I'm telling you this. Don't make Jesus those things. Right? Don't make Jesus those things. Jesus is not any of those things. He is the Savior of the world. And the last time I checked, the world had way more than 320 million people in it. Y'all know that's the population of our country. He is the personification of love. Now, I hope you're not hearing, like, I'm anti voting and I'm anti this I'm not you know it gets very easy for people to assume what you're not saying I'm not saying those things I'm gonna vote my wife's gonna vote we're gonna vote for the person that best aligns with the values that we have and what we believe in Christ and that's the way it is right so I'm not saying any of those things but I am trying to separate this mindset and I know it's hard for some of us to separate this mindset that Jesus is American he would be wrapped in the American flag if he appeared right now and no he would not Jesus is the personification of love. And listen to me. Listen. And when love shows up, do you know what happens to love when love shows up? What happens to love when love shows up? It gets crucified. Do you hear me? When love shows up, it gets crucified. Think about this. Who loved humanity better than Jesus Christ? Anybody? No. And yet the love that he loved the world with was too much for them, and they crucified him. Listen to me. You you remember when Jesus said that the world's going to hate you because it first hated me? Y'all remember that scripture? We we think that the world's going to hate us like it hated Christ because because, well, we got to take a stand for righteousness, and, and they're going to hate us because we're going to be pointing out all the sins that they need to repent of because there are some really sinful people in our country, and so we need to highlight their sin. So people hate me because I highlight their sin. No, people dislike you because you're being hateful, right? But you know what gets people disliking you even more? And this is true. It's when you allow love to guide your steps. Do you know Why? Because when you're walking in love, you can't be isolated and formed and compressed into one political party. You're going to agree with some people over on this side, and you're going to agree with some people on this side, and you're going to disagree with people on this side, and you're going to disagree with people on this side, and before long, you're going to be talked about bad by both sides. That's just the way it works. This is stretching you this morning or this evening. We're in the evening, right? This evening, yeah. It's stretching us, right? It stretches us. And I'm not, I hope you hear what I'm saying. I'm not, again, I feel like it's important to to do your civic duty and to vote. But, man, I'm not apologizing for preaching Christ. I'm not apologizing for helping unpack the, the, the love walk that we're supposed to be on. When love shows up, love gets crucified. And the powers that be don't like love. And why is that? Listen, why is that? Because it is love that is patient. But if you don't speak quick enough. But love is patient. And it's love that is kind. But you got to be mad just like me. And it's love that is not jealous. And it's love that is not rude. 
Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It's love that keeps no records of what church? Being wronged. And it's love that does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. And it's love that never gives up, and it's love that never loses faith. Love never gives up. Love never gives up. You ever met somebody who's resilient? They just keep going and keep going. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love does not say, oh my gosh, if this political party gets into office, the whole world is going to go to hell in a handbasket. We're all going to die. The world's going to be over with. This nuclear war, World War III, if they get elected. That's what, that's what sells in politics is fear. Fear sells in politics. You ever notice that they spend less time, politicians, and this is true, even for the people I'm going to vote for, they spend, listen, they spend less time talking about what they want to do and more time talking about if this person over here gets his way, it's going to be the end of your life. Do you notice that? But love is always hopeful. Right? Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. And again, love lasts forever. And it's love who prayed a prayer for you and I in the garden some 2,000 years ago. Loved pray, love prayed a prayer for you. And it's a prayer that is ever more relevant no matter what empire the church finds yourself under, it is relevant. It doesn't matter where you're from. It's relevant. It doesn't matter if you live in one of the greatest countries in the world like ours or if you live in a third world country. It does not matter. It is ever relevant. And this prayer comes from love himself, Jesus. And it's found in, in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 26. And he says, I am praying... Not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And verse 21 says, and I pray that they will all be, done, uh, be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that they, that, uh, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. In verse 22, it says, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. And I, ha and I, I am in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. In verse 24, it says, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with. Uh, that you have given me to be with me where I am. And he goes on to say, then they can see all the glory you, you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. In verse 25, it says, oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. And then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Unity 
is not the same as sameness. Unity does not equal sameness. Do you hear me? Unity does not equal sameness. In other words, well, the only way that we can be unified is if we agree with every single thing. How many of you know if you're in a relationship, you have a spouse, you know any relationship, really, but particularly if you're married, you and your spouse are not agreeing on everything, right? Toilet paper roll goes over the top. Amen? See, there we go, right there. Toilet paper roll goes over the top. If it goes underneath, underneath, yeah, see, underneath, over the top. Toothpaste lid. Toothpaste lid goes right back on the toothpaste when you're done with it. Amen, somebody. You don't leave the toothpaste lid off and allow the toothpaste to create its own lid, right? It, come on. Right? Vegetables go into the vegetable crisper in the fridge. Not on the second shelf, somebody. There's a reason why there's a vegetable crisper. You see what I mean? But you know what? As much as, as much as Kim gets it wrong, let me just tell you, I, I, I'm kidding. Yo, I get it way wrong or so much more, right? So, but, as, but as much as I get it wrong, we are still unified. Because the lens and the filter that we view our relationship through is a lens and filter of Jesus Christ. And if the love of God is operating in our lives, we can have disagreements. We can each be wrong, but we can still walk in unity. We can still be a strong, uh, a strong core. And Jesus was praying the same thing for his disciples, that they walk in unity, that they're united. And what would be the thing that unites them together is how they walk in love. How they walk in love. Even among the disciples of Jesus, we find followers who came from different backgrounds but found commonality through Christ, right? So check it out. So you had Matthew, right? And Matthew was a tax collector. And if you know anything about tax collecting in, in, in first century in the first century, these tax collectors, these Jews, uh, were, were actually working for the Roman Empire. And what they would do is they would go and collect the taxes for the Roman Empire amongst the Jews. And, when, and what they would do is they would extort their own people. They would make a profit. And so they would come to the people and say, well, if you owe 35 whatever, $35 here, you actually really owe $55. Well, why do I owe $55? Because I said you owe $55, and that's why you owe $55. Well, I'm not paying you $55. Well, then you're not paying Caesar his taxes. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to come take your children away and your house away and all these other things away. So give me my 55 bucks. And they would take the $55, and they would keep their cut and turn in the $35 to, to Caesar, to Rome, and that's what they did. That was a tax collector. They were not liked by, by the Jewish people. They were looked at as traitors, and yet Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew had views that were, that were in his life that caused him to lean that way. Now, did Matthew continue to be a tax collector when he followed Jesus Christ? The answer to that question is no. But do you think that the way Matthew came up, the, the culture he came up in, the, the family of origin that he came up with, the values that he came up with, do you think that he still dealt with some of those off and on when he was walking? Absolutely. How many of us do the same thing right now? Cut me off. Early on in my Christian walk, I gave you a finger. Now as a pastor, I just give you a thumb. Takes a while to get that stuff out of you, amen? Dexterity. Yeah, dexterity, that's right. Takes a little while to get it out of you, but, 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 but you don't think that maybe Matthew's view of the world, he had a lens, a filter of the world that he had to get shifted, that he had to exchange 
Yes. Matthew was a tax collector. He loved raising taxes. Some of you are like, oh, I know a political party that loves to raise taxes. And then you have this guy named Simon, who was a zealot. You know what a zealot was? A zealot was a, a, a person who believed uh, in the Jewish people that they could be better than what they were. They were nationalists. They believed that the Jewish people could rise up, and they would rise up and take possession of their land and rise up and overthrow the Romans, and, and there was a, an exceptionalism there that existed inside their mindset. We, we are better than this. We are Jews. We're better than this. We're zealots. And, and they actually couldn't stand anybody who, who would show themselves as being weak, even if they were Jewish people. They looked at Jewish people who actually, they looked at Jewish people who would want to make peace with Rome, who sought peace with Rome. They looked at those Jews as being weak and inferior and rejected them. What do you mean you want peace with the very people who have oppressed us? They were nationalists. And yet, here this guy Simon follows Jesus. Do you not think that some of his views still kind of infiltrated in into his, his life? They did. But here we find Jesus praying in the garden for those guys and the ones who would come, the, the, those disciples and the ones who would come later on. He, he prays for them and says, that pray that the love of you, God, your love would be exemplified in such a way that when people see them together and they look at that and go, wait a minute, that dude's a tax collector. Wait a minute, that dude's a zealot. How are they, how are they hanging out? How are they doing this together? They walk in such love that people cannot deny that you sent me and that we live in them. It comes back to Jesus, right? The point of the message comes back to pointing to Jesus. I do not believe that the disciples agreed on everything. What do you guys think? No. I don't believe they agreed on everything. But what they did agree upon is that Jesus is Lord. And that that agreement brought about a unity, even if their culture or their family of origin or their citizenship was different. So it comes back to, comes back to Jesus. I might not like the way you, you believe. I might not like the way you vote. I might like, not like the yard sign you have hanging up in, or, or in your yard or, or whatever it is, that's, whatever flag's flying from your. I might not like that. But my filter right now needs to be Jesus. And I need to figure out how to walk in this love towards you. And, that's, and we're talking about this. We're not talking about making people who don't follow Jesus this way. We're talking about just inside the body of Christ just inside the body of Christ. Amen. I know it gives you a lot to think on. I know it might have stretched some of us. Some of y'all might be mad at me. Please don't be mad at me long. Long. This is the beginning of our series. And like I said, you may or may not agree with this week's message or any of the next couple of weeks' messages, and that's fine. But let me just encourage you to think back on what I'm saying. We can disagree politically, but love unconditionally. You know, when we talk about unity, there is, I think, no greater symbol of unity uh, than communion. 
because the body of Christ, no matter what background you're from, no matter what country you're in, no matter where you come from, we, we do this thing called communion, right? We take this communion. We do this in remembrance of, of Christ and what he's done for us, the broken body and the blood that was poured out for the remission of sins. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take communion. And so what I'd like you to do right quick, right where you're at, if you do me a favor, uh, at your house listening, if you're watching online and you forgot to grab your communion, you can still go grab your communion right now. Take the, the whatever's in your, your, your cabinet, so it's crackers or bread or Oreos or chocolate chip cookies. Man, if you got chocolate chip cookies, I'm a little jealous, but we got these wonderful wafer things that taste like styrofoam, um, but they're still good. It's the symbol behind it. And so if you would, do me a favor, uh, where you're at, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? And uh, let's get these pre-opened so we can take them together. You know, and as Jesus gathered his disciples on the night before he was betrayed, he... Uh, was gathered together for our last supper, the Passover supper. And he took the bread and he told his disciples, he said, this bread is my body. It's broken for you. It's broken for you. And it was broken for your healing. It was broken for your wholeness. And he said, take and eat this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. took the wine the cup and he raised it and he said this wine is, is the blood of the new covenant. It's my blood poured out for you. His blood was poured out for the remission of our sins, the forgiveness of our sins. All of our sins, past, present, and future were forgiven. He said, take and drink this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray, God, for every person who is uh, here right now, Lord, every person watching online, Lord, that you would just calm our hearts right now. The politics tend to get us in a frenzy. It tends to bring about anxiety and uncertainty. But Father, just speak peace over every person right now, listening and watching. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to remember Christ, that you would help us as we are looking through our candidates, the people that we're looking to vote for. God, I pray that you would just help us to see Christ, that you would help us to see love and see through the lens of love. Father, I pray, God, that this body here and the body universal, that, Father, that we can stand together, united as a body, that we can be united, we can disagree politically, but love unconditionally. Father, we just thank you for loving us the way that you do. 
worship you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen.